All right, fantastic. You ready to get into the Word? Those who are visiting this today around now, is we are on a theme this year. Uh, we have a, a number of live churches that we're connected to um, in different places and different locations. But this year, we're on a theme, and it's a very simple theme from 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11. It says this, in light of all these things, Peter is talking in context about what's going to happen at the end of the age, and we're racing towards it and how we can hasten the day of Jesus' return. And then he says this, in light of that, what kind of people ought we to be? Will will you say that with me? What kind of people ought we to be? And we're going to answer that question this year. This is what 2020 is about. It's about asking this, answering this question, what kind of people ought we to be? What kind of people? What, how should God's people be on this planet? And so I'm just, I'm stirred by that. I'm gearing everything towards that. It's how, I was, I was, I was loved what uh, Chloe said. I loved what Ben said of how we are reaching people. And it's happening. People getting saved. People getting transformed. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I make it my goal to see every man complete in Christ. If you can turn with me to Matthew 22, I'm going to start there today. Matthew chapter 22. It is a great book. Anyone else doing this Bible shred, reading the Bible in one month? Hands up if you're, yes, come on, Don. Yeah, fresh, Sam. I know Isaac is. I need some, I'm seeing people with their Bibles open in our house, and they're like halfway through. It's like amazing. So good. Um, Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 23, 22 and verse 34. Hearing... That Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, he said, which is the greatest commandment of all? Jesus replied, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first And greatest commandment. The second is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is a fascinating passage of Scripture. As you know, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There's four Gospels, and they are the synoptic Gospels, which means they're the seeing Gospels. Each one of them sees the events through the lens of their own understanding and their own vantage point. Luke was a doctor. It's like if you saw a car accident from four different angles, each one of us would see it different. We'd interpret it different from the angle and the lens of which we, or the vantage point of which we witnessed the accident. So here you have these four men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they are explaining in the Gospels their encounters that they had with Jesus. And I want to look at, hone in on this particular one. We're going to look at Matthew in a moment or quote Matthew's account of this same passage because he adds a little bit more into this. But here, the context, the text is in context, and the context is this, that they are, this is a lawyer. This is an expert of the law. It's an attorney, and he's coming to, to see if he can trap Jesus. So he comes along with his law, and he asked the question, he says, Master, which is the greatest command out of all the law? Now, the law was 613 points long. So for them to keep the law, they had to obey all 613. Amazing. So this expert, this lawyer, 
this attorney is going and he's asking what he thinks is a trick question to Jesus. Master, he says, which is the greatest? And Jesus replied, the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all your might. And the next is just like it, but it's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, I love that because he says, "There's only." I'm going to answer it in two questions, but there's actually a whole ton of them in there. As a preacher, I appreciate that because it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's one. Soul, two. Mind, that's three. Love your neighbor, that's four. As you love yourself, that's really five points, but Jesus sums it up in two. Quite cool. In the Gospel of Luke, we see it take on a little bit more because when Jesus responds to the attorney, to the expert of the law, he says, which one of these, in fact, I'm going to read it, I'm going to read it just so you know I'm telling the truth. Verse 29, but he answered to justify himself, interesting, he answered to justify himself, so he asked Jesus this question, who then is my neighbor? Great question. He's still trying to trick Jesus, so he says, well, okay, you're saying, Jesus, the greatest command out of 615 is summed up in two. The first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. The second is just like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, then to love my neighbor as myself, who then is my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't answer it. He says, well, there was once a man. I love Jesus. He's not going to be caught out. He's not going to be trapped by someone who's trying to trick him. That's why I love the way Jesus would answer a question with the question, if you can't answer my question, Jesus would say, then I won't answer yours. It's great to serve the master, isn't it? People can manipulate, but there is the king, and his name is Jesus, and he cannot be outsmarted or outwitted. He will not be manipulated. He will not allow the twisting serpent to get in. Amen? And it's this church that then, and I'm not going to go into this today, but maybe we'll go into it another time, but then Jesus immediately tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Who then is my neighbor? And Jesus says, well, there was a man. And he was going into town. And he got beaten up. And the thieves took everything that he had. And then he tells the story. The first person that meets him was a priest, a Levite, a pastor. And he walked straight past him. What's my point? Is the greatest command is to love God. The, the second is to love our neighbor. And today in the time that we have left, I want to bring three points. I know Jesus only brought two. But I want to unpack it from three things. And, that's, and here, here they are in order, just so you can know where I'm going. The first is to love God. Will you say that with me? love God. The second is to love me. Will you say that? Love me. You say that to yourself, not me. Like, really? What? No. Love you. Love you. The second is to love you, and the third is to love your neighbor. And the reason there's three is Jesus says, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. The second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we can't love someone else until we first loved ourselves. We can't love another until we first loved ourselves. We can only give away that which you have already obtained, right? So I want to unpack these today. How these three points, they're three journeys, if you like. There's the journey upward to love God, the journey inward to love me, and the journey outward to love the person next to us. And as these weeks come unfold, I, even from the prophetic words and the testimony of God healing people and reaching people, I think we need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to this family. You know, it's all very well just reading a book and saying, well, this happened, this worked here, let's do that. That's not really how it works. We have to hear what God is saying to us at this time in history for this family to looking at the demographics. Where are the needs in our community so that we can reach them? But one thing I know for sure is, is, is every year in England it's called Band-Aid and 
And we have things like Habitat for Humanity. There are so many organizations, some Christian, some believers, some not. And even the ones that are not are doing a phenomenal job at reaching the world in the area of poverty. There is something, church, that we have that charities do not have. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power to break bondage. It's the power to break chains. It's, a, it's the power. The Spirit of the Lord ha, is upon me because he has anointed me to something. And it's, it's to a people that are, that are heavy-hearted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn and for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes of and the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a, what is it? It's a spirit of despair. It's a spirit of despair. Another translation says it's a spirit of heaviness. But we are anointed, the church, to break that spirit of despair. To comfort those who mourn. That's why there is a time, church, where we say, okay, we're going to go on a journey and see the church healed up and get ready for action. But we have to realize there is also a sense, a biblical pattern that we get healed as we go. Amen. That we just can't just be healed. The church is not just a hospital. The church is also an army (laughs) that's ready for battle, that's strong. So yeah, there's a place to get well. There's a place to get healed. There's a place to get your hearts healed, to get physically healed. But it's to something, and it's to give it away. As when I travel around the, the, the different life churches, I was in Morris the other day, and on the, on, a, on the main sign, the city of Morris has a sign that says, Life Church, this way, come to life and give it away. We had, a, we had a, it as a motto one time, and it's, still, it's stuck. In St. Louis, on their main sign, on the main high street, it says, Life Church, come to life and give it away. Because it's about coming to life and then giving it away. Giving it away. Who then is thy neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And I think there's times we can do things corporately as a church. But we have to recognize that we, the church, is also a people, individuals, that are full of the Holy Spirit. The full of the power of God, full of authority, knowing our authority and, and, the, and what's ahead of us. All right, so are you okay with us? Are we going to keep going on these three things? So you know the context. There were 613 laws that they had to keep. This attorney, this lawyer is trying to trick Jesus, asking him which is the greatest. And Jesus answered him, which cut through their traditions, cut through their sacrifices, cut through they're, they're all the, these these laws were like how to wash the cups, how to plant their crops, how to, how to mix fabric together. How, I mean, the list went on and on and on and on, and Jesus cuts through it, all of it, and says they're all summed up in, in these three. Let me ask you a question this morning. Um, what do you think it means to love, we're going to talk about number one, the journey upward. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Somebody in this section? What does it mean? Come, this isn't rhetorical. We can, we can talk together. This is okay. Is that all right? Okay, while they're thinking about it, this section. <laughs> what does it mean? How? I'll say this. How, practically, how do we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? While you're thinking about it, this section practically coming back to you practically how do we love to know him excellent we've got one enjoy him i love that to enjoy the chief aim of man to give him pleasure by obeying amazing it's interesting that he was cutting through all the law but then he still gives them a command. The command was, I want you to love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Okay, that's great. Should we go back or do you want me to keep going? Yes. To let him fill every area. Beautiful. Excellent, Lizzie. Coming back to you guys. Amy. 
be ready to cast off. Is that what you said? To cast off. So one of the ways that you're, you're saying that we can love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, is to cast off all of our heaviness and our cares and our concerns because he cares about us. Yes. Go ahead, Gino. To surrender. So when we surrender everything, we are loving God. Beautiful. Yeah. To be so open to him. Beautiful. Dan. To worship him. What, what, what does that look like? Yeah. Anyone's just, this is a really good point because worship, what does that look like to, to worship God? What is worship? Oh, we're going to go deep now. Are we going to do this together? Is, yeah. Daniel. It's a lifestyle. Will my choice glorify him? So worshiping him and loving him in the choices that we make. Beautiful. Aiden. Making him our number one priority. Excellent. How do we do that? Above everything else. That was good. <laughs> You've been well trained. <laughs> because it's just number one. That's it. So. But what does that look like? Number one. <laughs> uh, I wasn't, this isn't in my notes, but I'm, I'm going to go this. Can you turn to Romans chapter 12? I just did, the truth is I don't have any notes today, so I thought I'd just, you know, get you to do the message. Did I say that out loud? No, I'm kidding. I did. <laughs> if, you, if you could see some of your faces, it's funny. <laughs> Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. What is? Well, then he lists it. And for the next few chapters, he talks about what worship is. And he says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Number one. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual further. You're following where I'm going. Paul says, this is your spiritual act of worship. He says, I'm going to tell you what worship is. So when Dan says, well, it's to worship God. And Chloe says, worship is a lifestyle. See, worship doesn't equal music. Hello? Right? Stay with, if, you, if, you, if you stay with me, I'll, I'll go faster. Right? Okay. So John's like, okay, amen, right? I'll, hurry up already. The first mention of worship in the Bible, there were no drums, there was no PA, there was no dry ice, there was no lights. Dry ice never got anyone saved. Neither did these, these lights. Or these chairs, they help. But here's my point is, is, is worship doesn't equal music. Worship is a lifestyle. So here, Paul says, this is your spiritual act of worship. And he starts talking about practical things like loving one another severely. Sorry, sincerely and severely. Never be lacking in zeal. Keeping your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Being, watch this. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Do you know when you practice hospitality, you are worshiping God? Do you know when you have someone over to your house and you cook them a meal, you are worshiping God? Do you know that is a spiritual act of worship? When you, when you keep your spiritual fervor, when you never stop lacking in zeal, think, I'm going to be zealous for this. You are worshipping God. Well, then, uh, yeah, I think so. Well, what was it again? I'm just a bit depressed. Uh, what's my job again? Oh, I'm the light of the world. I'm his ambassador. Oh, what does it mean? I don't know. Church, we're the head and not the tail. I think when we come into worship, you're like, come on, let's go. Let's do this. Yes, because we've been worshipping all week, right? And so we've been prepped, we've been keeping our love on and loving one another and practicing hospitality. 
Should I keep reading? Give to God's people who are in need. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live at harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the sight of everybody. And if possible, and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. That's worship. That's worship. And you can keep reading yourself this week. Read the next chapter and the next chapter and the next chapter. And Paul keeps unpacking. This is worship. This is worship. This is how you worship God. So church, the, great, the, the first command, it was a command, is to love God. Read Romans 12, 13, 14 this week and start to worship him. God, this is how I'm going to worship you this week. I'm going to have someone over. I'm, I've been bitter in my heart towards someone. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to do good to them who persecute me. Jesus says, pray for those who spitefully use you. You ever felt, sometimes I feel like you feel used, but it's, also, it's spiteful too. And there's been times I'm like, I just feel used. I feel abused. I feel hurt, God. It's never one thing. Sometimes it's like death by paper cut. It's just, it's like one thing was fine. But I, I don't know if I can do this. This is painful. It's hurtful. Lord, have you heard what they're saying? Have you, did you hear that, Lord? It was spiteful. It wasn't true. And he says, I want you to pray for him. Pray what? Judgment? No. I want you to pray that, you would, that I would bless them. But I don't want you to bless them. That's what I want you to pray. And as you pray that, God blesses them, and it's his kindness that leads them to repentance. That's the upside-down kingdom. That's, that's what Josh Brannock was talking about today. Praying in the opposite spirit. Worshipping in the opposite spirit. Speaking in the opposite spirit. Whatever is coming against you, I'm going to speak in the opposite. Amen? So, number one is to love your God with all of your heart. Love God. Worship. Okay, ready? Number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. So, the first command is the journey upwards to love God. The second one is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we're going to make number two you. Okay? So number two is you. Everyone say you. Now say me. Right, it's you. You. How do you love you? Back to section one. How do you love you? Joe? How do you love yourself? It's not a trick question. Accepting this, brilliant, excellent. Someone in this section. Be, oh, I love that. Nora, that's so good. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Probably when, as a pastor, those exact words, Nora, are what I would instruct. In fact, probably two people this week. I've said to them, can I encourage you? Be kind to yourself. One of the best, most powerful ways you can comfort, comfort someone who's mourning is to have them be kind to themselves. To look after themselves. Love themselves. Anybody else? Yeah. Yes. Hands up if you find it hard to love yourself. Then this, you are in the right class today because you're going to love you. I'm going to teach you the word of God and I, I believe it's going to release you to love yourself. To be kind to yourself. Some of you need to forgive yourself. Most people that struggle with forgiving other people is because they haven't forgiven themselves. They hold other people to such a high standard because they hold themselves to such a high standard. And they're brutal with themselves. In t over 20 years of pastoring, I've never met a man, a husband, that abused his wife, that loved himself. 
Because the only way you can truly love yourself is if, you, if you've had an encounter with him. And when you have an encounter with him, it touches your heart. And what flows out of you, he who's been forgiven much, loves much. He who's been forgiven much, loves much. If you know what it is to be forgiven, the fruit of your life will be love. And love is patient. And love is kind. Love is not rude. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of when it's been wronged. None. Love always trusts. I remember one time somebody did something wrong to me and I said, I forgive you, I just don't trust you. And I thought, that was really good. I'm going to write that down. It's not that I don't forgive you. I just don't trust you. Because trust has to be earned. And then I'm reading 1 Corinthians 13. Love always trusts. I'm like, well, let's have a look at that in the Greek. I'm not quite. <laughs> when you say always, Lord, what do you mean by always? What does that mean to you? It's like Aiden said, it just means always. It first is first. Church, it's so important that we deal with our stuff so that we can love ourselves. You know, and I, I think I'm, you know, I, I, if I look to my life, I think, yeah, I, I, I love myself. I mean, I'm not talking about narcissism, by the way. I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm talking about the God kind of love. I'm talking about loving yourself and being patient with yourself. Why? Because God, who owns us, is patient with us. Be kind to yourself. Why? Because he is kind. Because love is kind. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. That's, I'm talking about the God kind of love. I wrote this morning in my office, I wrote this. Never open yourself up to someone that doesn't love themselves. Because if Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, he's actually saying this. However you love yourself, that's how you'll love your neighbor. Right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself, as you love yourself. Well, if your love a tank for yourself is quite low, that's how you're going to love other people, correct? So if the love, a love tank that you have for yourself is high, that's how you'll love other people. It will be a high level of love. So if somebody has issues that they've not yet deal with, dealt with and of unforgiveness even in their own heart towards themselves, I don't want you to love on me. Because you're going to love me as you love yourself, and you don't love yourself very much, so you're not going to love me very much. And so I'm certainly not going to open my heart to you and share everything. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? It says, when Jesus went to her, it says, it says she had this issue of blood for 12 years. And she suffered under the hands of physicians and spent Everything that she had. Never submit yourself to the wrong person. Never subject yourself to the wrong person. And church, I just want to say, we, I am 100% behind inner healing. We believe it in this house. We have a thing which we started, which is going to other countries already, called HA. What does HA stand for? The Healing Alliance. And so in this, in this group, we have people that are prophetic, people who are involved in inner healing emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, uh, physically, uh, and all the other illies. It's just great. And so I just want to be really clear. I, I, I love it. I love it. But it's so important. And if you've not, if you've not had someone um, who can, with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, help walk you through lies in your own heart, go and do it. It's fantastic. I do it. In fact, now we're making a requirement for leaders um, because if you're not healed up yourself, that's what you're going to just hand on to other people. And it's like, it's like somebody, it's like going for surgery 
and trusting someone that they know what they're doing, they cut you open and then they've got dirty hands. Did I say enough? Is that, do you get it? Okay. Everyone's like, we got it. So, love God. Love yourself. Love yourself. I was, I was sad that I missed Craig Miller because I heard just great reports back from his ministry and uh, some of the things that he said. But unforgiveness, I'm just saying on there just as I feel to, it, living in a place of unforgiveness, not forgiving someone else, and holding love and holding this, I am not going to forgive you, is like drinking deadly poison and expecting the other person to die from it. So, church, we have to. This is, the, reason I'm, the reason I'm saying this this morning is because it's obviously important because Jesus summed up 613 laws into these two. And I've divided them into three. Because love your neighbor as you love yourself. We have to love ourselves. We have to love God. We've talked about how to do that. We talk, we're talking about how to love ourselves. Dealing with unforgiveness. And we go through life and things hurt us. I went and saw a friend of mine recently. They're in this room, a couple. And they sat with me in their office. And they said, Dan, you're believing some lies. And it's affecting your physical body. I'm like, what? No. Not me. But you know, we all pick up stuff. We pick, we pick up hurts. We pick up pains. And we have to learn how to get rid of those things. It's like I'm not traveling right now or flying anywhere, which I love. But every time I fly, when I get on a plane and I go somewhere and then a few days later I come back. When I, when, my, when I have to check my luggage, they have to put it through a scanner, they have to weigh it. Our kids, if I said, no, 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 you don't understand, I just did that three days ago, I'm good. They'd be like, yeah, but you've been there, you probably picked up some stuff, now you need to scan it before you go back again. What's my point, church? We all pick up stuff. Pick up stuff, we believe lies. And it's so important that we allow God to dig in the garden of our own heart. To get rid of stuff. Because once we get rid of that stuff, we can love ourselves and we can love other people as we love ourselves. I was telling someone this week, it was, I think it was Ben. Um, I was actually asking Ben to forgive me for something that I did. I'm not going to tell you what because it's between us. And I said, Ben, I remember when I was about your age, there was someone I really wanted to see. I'm not going to say his name, but this person is famous, if I said it, who in, in the Christian world um, really changed Christendom and the planet in many ways. Um, so I went to another country to see him, and I, he was speaking, and it was on TV, and there was just, just thousands of people there. And I so wanted to speak to him, and I had kind of an in with him because I knew about a situation and somebody that knew him really well, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to say this person's name. And he's been like, oh, yeah, I know that person really well. And I'm saying, well, this is who I am, and this is my question. And I just, this man is just known for being like a father in the faith. And I thought, I just, my heart is just, is just tender, and this man can help me. And so I, at the end of the meeting, I knew that there would be security and loads of people. And, and I, I, I figured a way to intercept him coming off the stage and he was going out to a green room and and as he was walking along I went up to him and let's say his name is John I said hey I, I said excuse me John and uh and uh, he turned around and uh, he said yes and I said hey this is my name is Dan Reynolds I said you don't know me I know so and so and I just wondered if uh, I just have just two minutes of your time and he literally went like this he went And I'm looking at him like, I thought you were like the guy that was meant to represent like God as a father. And I'm really not enjoying this. So I look back, I'm like, no, not a good time. He went, can't you see I'm in a hurry? What do you want? What did you say your name is? 
So I told him my name again, and I said, this is what, I just really just so appreciate, just literally two minutes. And he went, what do you want? So I start to talk to him just really quickly, like trying to keep my bearings. And he went, what has that got to do with me? I went, probably nothing. And I walked away, and I was so hurt. I was like, man. And it wasn't until this week that I realized, wow, how little things can really get in your heart. Little things of hurt, little things that just grow. Things take root, and then they bear fruit. And then we pick off the the fruit and go, that's terrible fruit. But the issue isn't really the fruit. The issue is the root. You you follow? You know, last year, this... uh, this person um, was in another country that I was in, and I was asked to take him out for lunch. And I was like, oh, sure. I never told anybody this story. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But I had the privilege of taking him out. He had absolutely no idea that that was me back then. Just not a clue. But my point is, church, we have, thanks, Gino. We, <laughs> we're not leaving the Bible on the ground, Okay. Oh, okay. So how do you love yourself? Anybody else in this section? Joseph, we're accepting of ourselves. You know that's so important, to really accept ourselves. When I watched the life of Jesus, he accepted people. He when do you remember the story of, of Zacchaeus, the wee little man, and the wee little man was he, and he heard Jesus coming into town, so he ran ahead because he was small, and he climbed up a tree, he was a tax collector, Jesus walked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down here today, I'm going to eat in your house. In that culture, to eat in someone's house was a sign of acceptance. And so what Jesus was saying is, Zacchaeus, I accept you. And if you read the story, it says they were muttering, mutter, 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 mutter. Don't, doesn't he know? who that is. He's a tax collector. See, unsaved people have no idea how much good things they have to do to cross the line to get accepted. Well, Jesus smashes that religious mindset and said, I accept you. I don't want you to change. I want you to know that you're accepted. Because the more I accept you, you're going to find that it is my kindness that leads you to repentance and change is a byproduct of acceptance. Nowhere in that story did Jesus one single time lay out what his expectation was for Zacchaeus to do as a tax collector. Nowhere did he say you need to return it. Nowhere did he say you need to change. Nowhere did he say you need to repent. His kindness and the act of acceptance that he showed that man led to repentance. And Zacchaeus said, Master, I'm a terrible man. I'm going to go repay back the people I've stolen from. Why? Because it's the byproduct. It's his kindness, everyone say kindness, that leads us to repentance. Repentance means to change your mind. So when we are, when Jesus is kind to us, hands up if you ever know that you just, you know something's wrong in your life, you know your heart's wrong, you're in some kind of, you've got an attitude problem, there's something wrong in your life, you know it's wrong, and God, (coughs) excuse me, and God starts being kind to you. Put your hands up if you've ever experienced that. And it kind of brings you to your knees, doesn't it? It's like, Lord, why would you do that? You know I haven't even repented. He says, I just want you to know I love you. But, 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 but I did this. I know, but I just love you. And it's that love that turns your heart, isn't it? Am I wrong? Is it, is it your, that love that you just say, God, why are you being so kind? And it just causes your heart to turn. And like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to change. But some of us have had fathers that were taskmasters, alcoholics. You will do that or the punishment is coming. And so the way that you view God as a father is through the lens of your natural father. And it's not true. God is awesome. He's so kind. He's a loving dad. He knows everything about you. He knows what you do before you do it. He knows what you think before you think it. He knows what you've done. That's why it's ridiculous to try and hide. It's like a child with chocolate or peanut butter all around his mouth. And the parent says, what have you been eating? Nothing. 
That's how God, that's how crazy it is to us. He loves us, church. So love yourself as he loves you. Because as you receive his love, so you yourself will love you. And as you love you, so you will love your neighbor as you love yourself. Are you ready for number three? Number three. Uh, Number three is to love your neighbor. This, as I've already said, was all about the Good Samaritan. We're going to crack into this and really look at the whole story of the Good Samaritan and apply it to what God is saying of how we can reach other people. But what I will say is in that story, it was the priest, it was a Levite that was the first person to walk by. And I want to just now, see, God never got rid of the priesthood. He just made us all priests. New Testament. We are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. He didn't get rid of the priesthood. He just made us all priests. That's why we all have access to the Father. That's why Hebrews says we can come boldly before his throne of grace to receive, to receive mercy in our time of need. We can come with authority. We can come with confidence. Here I am, Lord, messed up again. I'm here with confidence because it's not by works. It is by your grace that I am saved. It is because of the finished work of the cross that has already happened that I can come with confidence and say, here I am, Lord. Please will you forgive me. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us for all unrighteousness. So love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? We're going to look at these as these weeks unfold. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me too. Comfort those who mourn. Who's mourning in your life? Those who grieve in Zion, are there people in the church that are in grief in Zion? To bind up the brokenhearted. If you go deep into brokenhearted, you'll see people that have literally, their lives are in parts. Their hearts are broken. And God says, I've, I've anointed you to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal them, to set captives free. 2 Peter 3, which is the theme for this year. What kind of people ought we to be? John 13, 35. This, this, watch this. Jesus says, this then is how the world will know by your love for one another. Look at the person next to you. (laughs) Now look at the person on the other side of you. You know, if you love that person, husbands, if you love love your wife as Christ does the church, which is a picture which is why, that's why God's so passionate about marriage. Our marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. Whenever I do a marriage seminar, that's why I say, men, they hate this, but wives love it. I did this in Africa a few, years, a few weeks ago. I said, husbands, your wife's face is your grade. It took a while for the translator to explain it, and I could see it wasn't going over because I had a translator. But when it finally dropped, the, the women all smiled, and the men were like, what? And they were like, yeah! because Ephesians 5 says to make her radiant so the church should be radiant the church should be alive and and, and marriage is a micro picture of Christ and the church so our, our wives should be happy do you want me to keep going on this guys ladies say amen so so it says that this for men men in Peter if, <laughs> if you speak harshly to your wife, God will hinder your prayers. Oh, I'm preaching now. We're very quiet in here. If you speak, just think about that. Is, is my prayers getting answered? Hello. Okay, I'll jump off that one. Um, this then is how you'll know. Jesus says this. This is how the world will know. How will the world know? This is to Chloe's point. This is to Ben's point. How will the world know about the church? How will the world know about Jesus? By your love for one another. For one another. That's why in our house, I'm, we, like, do not speak badly about somebody else. Won't have it. We're not having that. Not in here. Why? Because we want the blessing of God on this house. Why? Because I want the peace of God on this house. Why? Because words carry life and they carry death. They are powerful. So we're going to be careful what we say. Amen. It's really hard to really love someone when they're really annoying. 
Fee, that was way too loud of a laugh. <laughs> After 23 years. Hmm. It's hard to love someone when they're full of pride. You ever seen that? Just somebody just, the eye factor's massive. I did this. I did that. Well, I'm going to do this. I said this. This is what happened when I said this. And then I did this. And I, 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 ah. Just going on about themselves. Pride. Pride's a funny thing. Pride has many different faces. Pride pities itself and it promotes itself. Either way, it's about self. Pride isn't just promotion. It's also pity. If you think about someone who constantly pities themselves, it, often it's the same root. It's pride. And pride has many different faces. Has anyone got a water bottle? I'm nearly done. Yeah, thank you. My mother taught me this many years ago. She said, if you look at a bottle, if you can imagine this is where it says smart water, and you see pride, she said, if you open up, if you can imagine this is a, like a a bowl or something that you can't see through it. She said, if you open the lid when you see pride, inside you'll see fear. Pride always covers fear. Pride always covers fear. So pride is a mask. Pride is a mask of, to hide something. When you just see someone who's just overly confident, but it's not a God confident, it's not a self-confidence, it's an insecure confidence. And you just know it's pride, but it's covering fear. Here, watch this. Church, Christian, listen to me. This is going to help you. This is what she told me. I've never forgot it. She said, how do you get rid of fear? Perfect love casts out fear. So watch this. This is the hardest thing to do when you see someone who's full of pride. What you want to do is tell them they're full of pride. Or you want to outsmart them and tell them, well, you, you, you got a score, you got, eight, you got 80%, well, I got 85. And you want it, there's something in the flesh that you want to outsmart them, you want to do better than them, bring them down a rung or two. Or just, you know, show them that they're not maybe as, quite as great as what they're saying. But that's not God's way. It's like, bless those, pray for those who personally, who spitefully use you. Perfect love drives out, casts out fear. Church, I want to hit here's this. But it's not just love them, perfect love. The only way you can get perfect love is by God himself because God isn't loving, he is love. There is no fear in love. And perfect love casts out all fear. And church, I'm saying this and I'm closing, but I, I believe God wants to get rid of fear in our hearts today. God, because from the feet, what, what the root of fear comes pride and all other problems. Pride and lies, shame. You know, shame blames. You know, when you know there's shame in here, when you know this, you've done something wrong and someone points it out to you, the first thing in our flesh is to say, it wasn't me. Shame, remember, it was this woman you gave me, God. Adam, Adam, why did you do this? Oh, it wasn't me. It was her. And actually, come to think of it, you, you gave me, you gave her to me. So I don't know what's going on here, but it's clearly between you two because you gave her to me. Yeah, it's this woman that you gave me. Yeah, it's you. It's on you. Not, this can't be on me. Shame blames. But when we, get the, when we know perfect love, it casts out fear. And when fear is eradicated, pride falls down, falls away. So I'm going to read and we're going to close. 1 Corinthians 13. Can you just close your eyes? In fact, can we all stand? Then I'll know, you'll know that I'm definitely going to finish. Oh, thank you, Lord. The very last line of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this. And now, Paul says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. How, how, hands up if you'd like to know the most excellent way. Okay. Uh, 
I can't, I can't make this up. I wish I, said, I wish I could say this was my great revelation, but I'm going to read to you from the Word of God, His voice in print as we leave here today. I'm going to read you the most excellent way. There's no better way than this. And I just want you to put your hand on your heart. You can lift your hands to the Lord, do whatever you like, but I'm going to read the Word. And I'm going to let it saturate your heart, saturate your mind, saturate your soul, because I want to get this to get in you. I want it to, go, to be winged into your heart so it can take root and bear fruit. Are you ready? Let me show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men, of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that could move mountains, but not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but don't have love, I gain nothing. And then he changes gear. And he says, this is love. Love, there's 15 on the, in this list. Number one, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of when it's been wronged. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Spirit of the living God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's quick. I thank you that it's alive. Thank you that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. And today, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask for everybody in this room, including myself, that God, today, we would walk away. Lord, having like a chiropractor, an adjustment, that we will allow your word to dwell in us richly. That God, we would leave here today loving you more, not just by singing songs on a Sunday morning as great and as amazing that, as that is to do it corporately, but Lord, that we would, we would not lack zeal this week, that we would op- offer hospitality this week, that we would love one another deeply, that we would forgive one another deeply, that we would love our neighbor as we love ourselves. God, show us how we can love ourselves better, take care of ourselves, comfort ourselves, look after ourselves, and Lord, in doing so, the over flow of the interaction that we have in loving you, that it would so change us that we would pour out love on the people next to us. God, I ask that you would show us through a new lens the way to love the person in the cubicle next to us at work, to our students that we, that we, that we study with, to, to the people on the commute, to our boss, to our friends and family, to our actual physical neighbors, people who don't know you in grocery stores, that you would show us how we can, how we can love you, love ourselves, and love our neighbor as we love ourselves in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Love you, church.